wasn't that interesting. I guess I already knew everything I needed to know about Andre the Giant. Yeah. And they didn't really have any super insightful interviews, except for at the end, Vince McMahon looks oh. like he's going to cry. Oh, really? He's talking about Andre dying. <laughs> yeah. But he says this one really weird thing where um, the uh, director interview asks him, oh, well, do you remember the last conversation you had with Andre before he died? And he's like, no, I have this facility where I take anything negative and I get rid of it. It's one of my capabilities. <laughs> There's something weird like that. And it's like, oh my God, man, you are a crazy person. The Triple H was doing an interview and he said that Donald Trump called Vince McMahon after um, the... Um, do you know the storyline where Vince McMahon was like involved in a car bombing and his car exploded and... Yeah, and he was dead, but then Chris Benoit killed his family, so it ruined that angle. Yeah, so Donald Trump called Vince McMahon the next day after that aired to make sure he was okay. Alright, let's do it. I don't even know how to start. Um, so this is Space Force, just like the real Space Force. And we don't know what the goals are. Um, or its mission. Or the mission. Until we get, you know, word from Big Bad Cheeto Dad... We're just going to be reviewing Canon Films. And what Canon Films is, is it started off, I don't know if you knew this, but originally, in the late 70s, they were making low-budget English adaptations of European softcore pornography. You know, like the classy ones where um, they actually had plot lines and they were from Sweden and France, so they were appealing to general audiences to a certain extent. It was also the time period when uh, things like Behind the Green Door or Deep Throat were popular, mm, yeah. which is uh, porno chic. So they kind of made a little bit of money off of that, but coming into the 80s, they weren't making any more money. Doing pretty bad, they decided to sell the company, and these two rock stars from Israel come in. It's two cousins. It's uh, Monoton Golem, and uh, I don't know how to pronounce his cousin's first name, but his last name is Globus. <laughs> What's the first name? Give it um, a shot. Let me just pull it up here. Uh, I guess Yoram. 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 Yor. Yoram. Well, no. Yeah, it's Yoram. Um, yeah, so they buy it. They buy Canon Films, and what they decide to do is give the '80s what they want, and that's violence, rape, um, musicals. Sometimes, I mean, they did the breaking movies and. Uh, one of them... Uh, there was a lot of violence and rape and breaking. Yeah. It was implied, though. <laughs> and Monoton Golem actually directed um, a musical before they took over canon. It's called The Apple. It's, uh, so these were, were these uh, true musicals or were they more on jukebox musicals? Uh, the Apple was a true musical. Uh, it's really sort of uh, bloodless and... It really misses the mark for whatever it's trying to do, but it is worth watching for the community value. I have a, I have a feeling that, just from my limited uh, scope of the canon films I've already seen, that we're going to have a lot of, uh, of examples of ones that kind of miss the mark on some things. Uh, yeah, I mean, so they're, they're going to get it right for what they're doing most of the time, because what they're doing is, hey, you want to see a white ninja beat up some other ninjas and there'll be blood and probably like titties? <laughs> like, they're going to get that. They're going to be fine at that. And then there's going to be some successes in there. Like, the first break-in did really well. Product of the time. But 
I mean, when they got it right, they got it right, I guess. But like I said, they're just giving the 80s what they wanted. So Rambo did well. Rocky was good. Um, you know, just all the violent movies of the 80s, they're going to do the same thing. But with the smaller budget, Chuck Norris is going to be in a lot of them. So it's going to be worse actors. And the first one we watched, which we're going to talk about today, Death Wish 2. And Charles Bronson's in it. He's got to be he's, 60 in this, right? He's pushing 70, I think. Uh, um, in my notes here, actually, I mentioned um. So he looks like he's in pretty good shape for being 100 years old. I mean, to be fair, it's not... Even with uh, modern films, we haven't gone away from the old man action star because Liam Neeson yeah, is um, definitely the Charles Bronson of our, our day. Well, Although I like Liam Neeson a little bit more. Well, he's, well, I don't know. There's actually kind of parallelism between their careers because yeah. Charles Bronson was a respected actor for a time. Maybe not a Did little bit. Did he do a Liam Star Neeson. War? No, he wasn't in a Star War. But. Uh, yeah, so I guess he didn't reach the same highs that Liam Neeson did, but Liam Neeson definitely got to the same lows as Bronson. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because Taken is is Death Wish. They just remade Death Wish, and then they actually did remake Death Wish recently. Yeah, yeah I rocked it, and I didn't see it. Did you see it? I did not see it. I mean, knowing it's a Bruce Willis movie and what he's turned out in the last couple decades, I'm not. I don't have high expectations for it. Plus, it seems like it's such a the movie is really a product of a, of, a, of of the 1980s and like the late 70s. You cannot th- that does not work the same way. Now. Yeah, because there was um, crack epidemic, the fear of inner city violence. New York wasn't doing very well. That sort of thing. It was definitely really early yeah, mid 80s. Death Wish can't be set in New York anymore. No, because uh, it's all like gentrified Detroit or something. And, yeah. and even then, like there's no one in Detroit to rape. So I don't know. <laughs> I think everyone in Detroit is just trying to find a job anyways. Yeah, they're just trying to scrape by. Yeah. So I don't know where you can set it these days. Uh, I guess they'd want to do it in, like, Chirac, right? Do it in Inglewood Hood. But then why would there be an old white guy there? Yeah. Well, we just do an old Korean, man. That could work. That would be um, that Clint Eastwood movie. Oh, Grand... Uh, Grand Trino. They have really have remade Death Wish, like, a thousand times. Oh. They're doing it right now with uh, with Jennifer Gardner. Uh, that, I don't like, it's the same concept. The whole family gets killed. The guys walk on the trial, and she seeks revenge. Let's say, like, we talked about this previously before we watched the movie, but um, I feel like this is the uh, conservative good guy with the gun fantasy, Death Wishes. I think that's why they keep remaking it, because it has elements of um, frontier justice, you know? Like, I'm going to get revenge, and I'm going to go out there with my guns, even though I'm 60, I got this weird, like, cowboy body, you know? Like, when you see older cowboys where it's got a gut, and but then the rest of their body's, like, really skinny and probably sinewy and gross, that's what Bronson looks like in this. It seems to be appealing an appealing concept to whoever. I mean, I like the Death Wish movies, but I like them because they're bad schlock. The reason they keep getting remade, I don't think, is because of that same interest. I think it's more because um, they want to see suburbanites killing... Poor folks. Poor, poor colored folks. Poorer folks, <laughs> since everyone's poor these days. But, shit, let's get into it. Death Wish 2, starring Charles Bronson. And so, uh, my f- first thing I noticed, I watched this on Amazon Prime, 
and uh, I was like, oh, cool, NC-17, so, you know, it's going to be some good shots, titties, it's going to be real gratuitous, and then <clears throat> part of the description on Amazon Prime reads, and his daughter, still suffering catatonic stupor after her brutal rape in the first film, finds herself raped yet again, and all right, this is tossing me into this movie, they know it's going to be terrible. Right, man? Um, to let you know, a lot of these canon films we watch, there's going to be a lot of rape in it. For some reason, this was in the 80s. I guess probably even into the 90s when you think about it. This was uh, this is how you start movies. Like, it's going to be a revenge movie, or it's going to be an action movie. It's going to be brutal and violent. Um, what's going to drive a man to the edge? I know. His daughter gets raped. And then if we make a sequel... She gets raped, raped again. again. Like, we'll just rape her up. And this time, her house, this housekeeper gets raped, too. So that's... Uh-huh. Uh, but luckily, it was only 84 minutes long. Because I hadn't seen Death Wish 2. I only, I've only ever seen Death Wish. And I think maybe, like, Death Wish 3 on TV, which isn't, like, the real experience. Yeah, oh, my God. I can't imagine how that would work. But I was like, all right, it's Death Wish 2. Um, first one's a bit of a cult classic, but not necessarily a good movie. And then it was like, all right, Death Wish 2, Canon made this one. Charles Bronson's got to be like 800 years old now. Who knows it, what's going to be like. There's a good there's a good seven years between the first movie and the second movie, too. I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so there's a, quite the jump uh, time frame-wise. Like I, I don't know that the market was really hungry for Death Wish 2. So I know they made quite a bit of money off of it, but the budget was only $2 million, which is... Crazy to think about with the movies that are made today. The only thing that gets made with $2 million is like Ouija, The Origin of Evil, you know, mm-hmm. bad horror movies. But with budget $2 million, I think they, just in the limited theatrical run, it made $16 million, So it's not like they were paying for marketing or promoting it very much, for sure. It's, here's the movie, $16 million. And that's the key to canon success. <laughs> You can tell you're in the 80s right away from the the weird guitar soundtrack to the the radio uh, voiceover. Oh, yeah. Guitar soundtrack. Jimmy Page. Are you serious? It's Jimmy Page? Jimmy Page did the uh, soundtrack for this movie. And apparently it's just because he was neighbors with the director. <laughs> I like to think Jimmy Page just got high one morning and did it in, a, in the garage uh, in like an afternoon. It's not very good, so I don't think he put a lot of time into it. Uh, I was thinking um, before I found out it was just because he's the director's neighbor. I was like, well, maybe Jimmy Page was a fan of the first film, and then I was thinking, well, that'd be pretty ironic for him to be a fan of the first film since he also likes to sexually assault young girls <laughs> and kidnap them and make him his wife. That seems to be a problem uh, with uh, famous 60s and 70s rockers in general. Yeah, uh, well, the guy from The Who, right? He got caught with all the child pornography and he said he was doing research. What? So, Pete Townsend, I think. Yeah. So, he's doing research on the horrors of the dark web. I don't know, you probably heard about it on CNN. He's an old-timer. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the dark web. I believe that's... Uh... That's where all the hackers hang out on the internet. Yeah, like the notorious hacker 4chan. And uh, um, Q, obviously. Yeah, Q. He's got Q-level clearance, which is a clearance that does exist, but it's for the Environmental Protection Agency. So I don't know why he would know secret government pedophile info. Uh, I mean, the EPA is big on 
all the pedophile stuff. They're protecting the environment by raping kids to death. <laughs> Keep the population low. A weird tangent. There. Yeah, but uh, so back to the film, it's not that weird of a tangent when you when you tie about, it back into raping kids. Yeah, you go back to Death Wish too. Like as you said, you immediately know what this shit's gonna be about because they're gonna start you off with a nice like dirty eighties establishing shot yeah like oh look at these buildings look at these mean city streets you know it's the 80s because it's crime it's drugs and bad haircuts yeah i mean some of the statistics on the radio seem a little questionable they were really pushing the violence that was happening uh in the in the la um so they're you know they're setting up uh they're painting a picture for you yeah they're letting you know um Listen here, kids. You like that NWAs? Well, everyone's on crack. There's going to be multi-ethnic gangs that seem to have... Two ethnicities. Yeah, and no, like, seeming criminal purpose. They just run around. Yeah, they're just wild, lawless, barbarian men. Mm -hmm. That's what it, they're portraying it as. They have, they're shiftless, they're aimless. Their criminal enterprise is it's just because they're bored. Yeah, and there are certainly are have been criminals and serial killers that are like that, but usually, rare. usually not inner city gangs. This is basically like a gang of Henry Lee Lucas's like well, the I mean, drifter killer. The um yeah, no kidding. Like right from the beginning when they when they first show the the gang, um, I immediately think of cowboy or <laughs> bebop and rocksteady from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, it's a very, like, um, those guys walked onto the. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1989 set, they would have been perfect. Uh, Cowboy Curtis and all. Well, I'm thinking um, the designs they came up with for Bebop and Rocksteady in the cartoon are based off of, maybe Cowboy not Curtis. specifically Death Wish 2, but... I mean, like straight up the Cowboy, uh, Cowboy Curtis, or uh, I'm going to use that the entire time, Lawrence Fishburne's character mm -hmm. in uh, Death Wish 2 has the same glasses as uh, Bebop. Bebop. The purple, like, slitty one. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh man. It's you know, <laughs> speaking of that, I remember when we were young, uh, Bebop in his human form was a bit of a fashion icon for me. I remember, oh, I, I need a purple mohawk, I need to get like that red leather vest, and just, even before I understood punk rock, I knew I wanted to be punk rock, I guess, <laughs> I wanted to be just like Bebop. I didn't care that he's a villain. I, I mean, I also like that like, Charles Bronson, he chases down uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, he, he's got to have a name. A oh, name. I, I wrote down some of the gangsters. Like I looked it up, too. It had, like, a stupid name, like, Smiley Stabber or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're all really bad. Like, one of them's name is, like, Punk Cut. One of them's Stomper. There's Stabber. And, like, they didn't put a lot of thought into it. And, yeah, he's probably Stabber because he had the knife. Yeah, I bet he's Stabber. Um, and the best thing is they just... Um, he's like, oh, you don't have my wallet. I guess I'll let you go. Thanks for trying to stab me. He threw his knife away. He was like, get this knife out of here. You don't get knives anymore. He's like, no, he just threw it over the fence. He's like, ha-ha, yeah. get it. <laughs> um, I, they're like Major Caper. Was They stole his ice cream money. <laughs> no, they stole his wallet. Yeah. The ice cream money was just a faint to get yeah. that wallet. And I, I don't understand the motivation for tracking him down after that either. Like Because he's... He beat up uh, Stabber. He's like, yeah, we gotta, we're gonna kill this guy and rape his family. Yeah, because these are, this, this is the problem with today's city streets, or I guess 1982 city streets. Is. Do they, I mean, is this legitimately the, it's just they just don't understand motivation? Yeah, it's just written pretty badly. And, um, 
it does seem to be written from a place of ignorance, like a lot of movies in the 80s were, where, oh, we've got problems with inner city violence. It might have to do with um, economic disparity, drugs in the community, shit like that. But no, that's not what it is. It's just all people that are poor are evil and they're coming to rape your housekeeper. And that's what they do. Like you said, for some reason, they just pull up to his house in like the turtle van. Yeah, they pulled in the turtle van. Them casing the house is hilarious to me because they're like they're running around going crazy, but at the same time they're they're like shh, yeah, trying to be hand gestures to each other like Navy SEALs, but then they're like stopping on the stairs real quick. And so to get back to the establishing shots about these dirty crime-ridden '80s streets, looks like it's filmed in like Burbank though. You know, like in the valley, yeah, like not too far from probably where their studio was at, and it doesn't actually seem like that bad of a neighborhood yeah but i mean that's the same thing like nowadays you uh even with a two million dollar budget you can do some establishing shots with a drone in like a way shittier neighborhood if you want but they mm. didn't have that, that ability no, they didn't have drones then they certainly weren't gonna hire a helicopter to go no i'm sure that's from like chopper five and yeah. channel five mm-hmm. uh they just paid somebody for that footage slip some guys some cash yeah that's sock footage of down beautiful downtown burbank <laughs> This is where you can open your own studio. It was definitely like Studio City or something. That wasn't that wasn't L.A. L.A. No, that was the Valley or something. But uh, interesting thing, uh, this movie was distributed by Metro Goldwyn Mayer. I was surprised to see the line in yeah, the opening. Yeah, me too. Like, Whoa, <laughs> for real? The uh, the rape scenes are a little. Uh, I was shocked at how I guess brutal it was. Yeah. So. It was pretty shocking. It was like, there's no way something like this would get made today sort of thing. No, um, it makes me curious to see how they did it in the, uh, the Bruce Willis remake. So, um, I knew a rape scene was coming because um, I, I knew that's how the movie was going to start. Like, I knew that was going to be the driving force for his, whatever he's got to do. And uh, I was like, well, I've seen Irreversible. I like French extreme movies. There's no way it's going to be worse than any of that. And to a certain extent, it wasn't because it wasn't shot very well. The drama didn't really exist. Yeah. But it was shot so poorly and acted so simply that I kind of just felt like I was watching an actress get abused rather than it being a well-designed scene in an extreme film. It just seemed like, let's get this bitch naked, you guys throw her around, she's going to be naked on set all day. Like, I just really felt bad for the actress. Yeah, it did feel weird. Yeah, I guess the big thing for me is um, it's been a while since I've been into, like, these 80s schlock crime movies like i'll watch um 80s horror movies a lot but they're usually a little bit more fun after the rape scene i was like oh yeah i forgot um the 80s were like kind of extreme like you kind of it seemed you got to be able to film whatever the fuck you wanted in the 80s there was some justice to it though because did you see in the beginning when she is making his breakfast for kersey bronson our hero and she's just like Got like a tortilla and like spread some tomato sauce on it and then folded it up in a really weird way. I couldn't figure out what the fuck <laughs> she was making for breakfast. So that's her revenge. Yeah, because I don't. That was the first thing in the movie that caught my attention. Is, <laughs> this is her making breakfast. What the hell what is, is she, she making? making? Yeah, like, like what is on that? a tortilla. Yeah, it looked like. 
Well, I mean, it looked like SpaghettiO sauce without the O's spread on the one, of, one of the notes I have in, here, in my in my notes is blocking and staging this movie is hilarious. Oh, I don't think they did any blocking and staging. Well, I mean, that's your kind of your point, like the tomato thing. Like, what are they doing? Oh yeah, like make any damn sense. Yeah, just go do some breakfast stuff. I don't know. Yeah, like when they're running up and down the stairs, like you just they're like. Taste the joint, guys. Pretend like you're tasting it, I guess. Yeah, and peeking in windows and making scary faces. You know? <laughs> it's just, Stick your tongue out and do cross eyes. It's It'll be fine. It was almost cute until um, yeah, until violent the sexual starts. assault. Like when she looks out the window and the one dude gives her the face. He <laughs> 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 looks like uh, Donald Glover. This is America. <laughs> it's, I mean, we already talked about it. We go back to it. It makes no damn sense. Like, what was their plan when they went to the house? Like, they didn't know the maid was there. They didn't know that anybody was there. Yeah, they don't know. What are they planning to do? <laughs> they don't know who he is. All they have is his address from ID. They don't know who he is. They don't know if he has family, other people living there. They He could have all sorts of guns because he could be a crazy person. Yeah. And especially after... He chased him down, beat one of them up, and, and like threw, threw his in rifle. rifle. <laughs> you know what? Let's let's with no plan. Let's just go get this. Let's guy. show this guy. Yeah, but so they get in there, they do the sexual assault. Kind of it. The scene just kind of ends. You know. It's, but then here all he becomes is Kersey, right? And he's got his daughter with him. They just take his daughter. That makes no sense like, either. The whole thing him. makes no damn fucking sense. They're just like, all right, well, we just love. Assaulting women. She can, she can finger all of us. <laughs> is that literal or figurative? The concern is she'll finger all of them to the police. But, then why but the they... dream is that they can steal her and she'll finger all of them. We're going to leave this old man alive. But we're going to take his daughter because she can tell the cops who we are. But the old man <clears throat> couldn't for some reason. Yeah, why didn't they kill him? I don't get it. Like, yeah, what's the whole plan? Again. It's just, uh, let's get this action going. This yeah, whole thing. I just like, feel right, like all you have to do is this. think through it a little bit from, you know, like the, the villain's side, the, the, the gang's side, and you can find out maybe a better idea than we're going to show up at some guy's house, rape his maid, kidnap his daughter, and leave him alive. That's our great revenge. Yeah, but also, um, he just got to kill some criminals. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good point, you know. If he dies, who's left to, to seek revenge, right? The daughter is the right answer. In the remake, Liam Neeson will play the father, and he will die in that scene, and then the the story will follow the, the daughter and her seeking revenge. That's actually pretty interesting since... Um, no, it wouldn't, Kyle. They've made this movie a thousand times. It's not interesting anymore. Well, I was thinking, because uh, she doesn't speak, so it would be interesting for the rest of the movie to have... Very little dialogue. Also, Alison Brie can pay the, play the daughter because the entire movie, I'm like, man, she looks like Alison Brie from Glow. She kind of does because of the um, 80s haircut. Yeah. The, uh, I don't know what you would call it, haircut, but Alison Brie has in Glow. <laughs> but it's definitely real 80s. Russian chic. Continuing their spree, whatever they do with their free time. I don't know how they have money. They have a van, how they get gas in it. The, they dress pretty cool. How they get much clothes. Like how they get in touch with each other. How how any of the their actual gang operation works is a mystery to me. Like do they actually do they just make money? Do they do they make money doing their gang operations? At some point, there's some sort of I think drug dealer that happens. But right, I think. In but the um, <laughs> I think a drug dealer drug deals going on in the basement. But then um, I don't know. They might just be like trading Pokemon cards because it's not established what they're doing. Yeah, they just he just more dudes down into the basement. It may be some sort of gay sex thing. Probably since we do know that these are '80s deviants. 
so obviously it wouldn't be surprising to me if they were also into gay sex all this whole fiasco happens and Kersey is trying to get back into his apartment he's having a lot of trouble with the lock and I was like hmm are the, these masterminds changes the locks on <laughs> thieves change the locks because I mean that'd be a pretty good prank like hey we stole your daughter we locked you out of your own house James. Aha! Gotcha. Got him. Oh, so then now the police show up. They're gonna gather evidence, and there's this uh, great shot <clears throat> where it cuts to the police gathering evidence, and there's a guy. One of the cops is just dusting a picture frame for fingerprints. I saw that. So, yeah, maybe they touched this picture frame. I just feel like again, like they didn't block her stage. Just like go in there and do some cop stuff. Yeah, go dust for fingerprints. Oh, cool. This guy's dusting the picture frame. Let's do a Tight shot of this one. Be a nice establishing shot of him checking the picture frame for fingerprints because these thieves are surely connoisseurs of fine art. As most thieves are. Mm-hmm. You know, art thieves. A lot of the stuff with the police doesn't feels like it doesn't need to be there. Like the whole um, the whole plot with the New York cops and the detective coming down to to check things out. Uh, I think it's just because they wanted to have another actor from the first movie in it. Yeah, I think that's the whole reason. But it just feels out of place, right? He kind of shows up and then follows Kersey around for a a day and then dies. Yeah, and then he's basically just like, Kersey's doing the right thing anyway. He's a good man. I'm going to help him out. Yeah, better better them than you, right, buddy? (laughs) Yeah, and they're not in my precinct, (laughs) so let's kill them all. Um, One of the cops mentions that they have a computer, though. Yeah, he's like, we'll take it back to the precinct we run through the computer. The, well, I mean, it's probably in one room, and they have to put a bunch of cards into it. Mm-hmm. Well, it is... Well, it's the, not really, smart, Yeah, right? but the computer. The computer. So I was pretty psyched about that. I was hoping we get to see the computer, but no. I think we do at the end. Isn't that what he uh, throws the guy into? I guess no, that's... No, that's the electroshock machine. Yeah, I don't know. But it's pretty big. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize electroshock machines were so uh, imposing. So, yeah, they do some more police shit. He talks to the police about police shit. I noticed they're really bad about handling evidence. They're just like, here you go, some fucking evidence. <laughs> like, they gave it to Kersey. Like, here, take this evidence. <laughs> Which I think is even bad practice. Yeah, it was like that crystal cat that was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's right. Like, here you go, you can have this. I don't know, maybe hold on to it for the investigation, but nah, just take this evidence, it'll be fine. Basically, the next important thing that happens is uh, some more rape. They're gonna rape his daughter again. She gets raped a little bit, but then she sees her opportunity. And she runs like crazy through that warehouse, jumps out a window, and lands on the wrought iron fence. Her whole mental state doesn't make sense to me. I guess I should probably look it up and see if this has happened. Yeah, she's case, in like a fugue state. Yeah. But I guess it could happen in extreme stress. She's been in a fugue state for like years, right? Yeah. The part of the beginning when he's at picking her up from uh, the mental hospital, I assume, or wherever. The assisted living. It seemed like it was a library or something. And the doctor, he shows so much concern. He's like, oh, my daughter, will she ever speak again? And the doctor's like, oh, you're you're her father. Well, she uh, had um, asked what's for dinner or something like that consistently for a couple weeks. So, like, she's coming out of it, man. We've been giving those SpaghettiOs. Yeah, like your your housekeeper makes (laughs) SpaghettiOs on tortillas. We've been making those for She's doing good. You know, you mock it, but mom did make a, a dinner that was not much different than SpaghettiOs. Yeah, and here. she learned it from Elsie, right? Yeah. So it might be um, a Mexican dish. It was like those uh, alphabets. Mm-hmm. Or stars. Like, 
some like bouillon, bouillon cube mm-hmm. almost or tomato paste. That shit was actually really good. Yeah, I kind of want some right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and text them to see how to make it. I didn't. It didn't seem like it wasn't. You just cooked it the noodles and the paste and threw it on the tortilla. Right? That's what I remember. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, right. that shit was good, though. Hmm. Maybe that's what she was making. I see what you're saying. <laughs> now you feel this this small, right? You feel stupid I feel kind and of bad. hungry. And I understand why she would start speaking again. She was like, yo, let me get more of those stars. <laughs> oh, and then so her body's discovered. Great, like, transition where um they get cursy and, like, about your daughter and he's like how is she and then it cuts to her like in a body bag and it's like she's fucking dead <laughs> <laughs> how's she doing fucking dead. dead so i like that it was pretty grim but it was pretty funny um i assume it's a result of bad filmmaking it seems like bad editing but it was fun maybe they did it on purpose i would like joke. to see like what there's got to be stuff that you know, it's cut from the movie. What uh, what story elements are we missing here? Uh, what do you mean? It's got everything you need. Probably nothing. Need the um, stole his ice cream money. Um, the, uh, when they go in, when they first go into the, when he first goes into the city, and it's you, you get to uh, oh, and they're showing glimpse. you the a rough city streets. Yeah, that are clearly like a backlot. Again, it's like, the entire time. I'm like, man, it's it. I feel like I'm watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a little bit grimmer, right? Like, parents yeah. didn't like it. And um, I really do think the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies and some of the, probably even the comics, since the comics are rather dark, took inspiration from the these dumb, ultra-violent movies from the 80s because that's what was going on in media at the time. They have, like, a diverse cast of, uh, of, of extras, too. You got, like, some Hare Krishnas. You got the, the bikers rolling through. Oh, I actually kind of like that, because when they were showcasing the people in these rough streets, I was like, oh, it's like they picked up some real California crazies. Yeah. Like, there's that old lady just kind of yelling in the street, and, you know. Like, there's the oh, drunk guy that's kind of wandering around in the background. Lady at the camera. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this it seems kind of legit. Yeah, I'm all right. 1980 LA. Yeah, it seemed, like, it seemed like they really just kind of picked up people off the street. and Like, hey, want to make, like, $20? Oh, yeah, actually, in my notes, I'm like, oh, Hare Krishnas. You don't see those guys. <laughs> yeah. You don't see them too often anymore. They really kind of died out in the 90s. You know, cults aren't what they used to be. I actually have a feeling that cults are about to make a comeback. It's just my own personal pet theory. Because, uh... I mean, when the world turns to shit, people turn to cults. Yeah. There's a few other elements to it, because, um... I think the... Going on a tangent, the festival culture that <clears throat> our generation was part of for a while, yeah. where it's got this like vague mysticism and spirituality to it that Burning Man, yeah, yeah has like no real basis in anything. Anything. Um. So like, oh, it's like the same as like when the whole like hippie movement like didn't amount to anything, and they all got stupid shit and voted for Reagan or joined weird cults. I think that same thing's gonna happen again with the our generation. Like, oh uh, yeah, fucking, uh, I don't know. You know, we just got there. We listened to some EDM, take some drugs, and join a cult. In <laughs> fact, I feel like I could go to Burning Man and start a cult. You know, I, I was joking with Court about it too. That I was like, I'm gonna start a cult. This is how I do it. I'm like, I'll be the, uh, I'll be the crazy person behind the throne, and I'll find some really charismatic, handsome guy. To be like the leader. And yeah. I'll just all the money will siphon through to me, and if we go down, it's all his idea. I'm just some patsy. Yep. Got to get a new Jim Jones. Where's he at? He's in the White House. Man, he's 
Trump is not as slick as Jim Jones. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, to go back to the scene where they're doing the establishing shot of the streets, and uh, also when he went and got his hidden gun, um, I would like to point out that there, at that one point, the soundtrack is really cool. Because it's just like these weird synth drones. No drums, just weird mechanical industrial sounding synth. And it's like, oh, this is pretty intense. What's going to happen? And then it just kind of fades away. And it's like, oh, here's some weird guitar music again. Jimmy Page. <laughs> yeah, well, what's going to happen? Yeah, I remember that scene too. Because the entire time, I'm expecting... Yeah, because it was building a lot building of tension. tension. And then he just walks out of the Yeah, and then he just rents a room. And hotel prices were really cheap in the 80s. I know it seemed, it was. I like, mean, it's not like a it's a flop house. Yeah, but it was it wasn't too bad. I liked it. See, so staying there, and uh, I mean, you have to share a bathroom, right? You can't. No music after eight. No cops. That's the problem. I don't like police anyway, so I'll be okay, and I'll have a gun. Will you? Is that ever going to come with a gun? I thought he brought his own. He brought his own gun, but I'll bring my own gun too. And duct tape. Let's put it underneath the. Yeah, well, probably like several guns, and I'll have. Them, duct tape strategically around the room mm. so that no one can ever get the drop on me. Because <laughs> I think that's how guns work, right? The more you have, yeah. uh, the better. And you're always going to be ready for an attack. So you'll always just succeed with your gunsmanship. Yeah, obviously. This is it. He's, he's about to get some vengeance because he sees the guy with the skullet and he's like, fucking, I'll never forget that haircut. <laughs> Season. I mean, it wasn't an intentional skull, though. The dude, he's bald on top of me and just decided to grow it long. Is it? I, it seemed like his hairline was definitely receding pretty bad. Um, he looked like he was about 40, which is weird. Like, all the gang members look pretty old. Yeah, he's obviously the guy that, like, he never really did anything with life. He, he, he stuck in the lower ranks. He's, like, the person that works in retail for 30 years and is always the clerk. Or, like, Bebop and Rocksteady. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he sees him, he's like, oh, there's that guy with that fucking stupid haircut. But actually, I don't like the haircut on him, because he's going bald. But for a second when I saw it, I was like, you know, someone can make that work. No one can make that work. That's ridiculous. Right, so. No one's breaking that work. One of these SoundCloud rappers is going to have... Oh, God. They're going to make it work. I think Post Malone could do it. <sighs> what an ugly man. <laughs> I don't know, you know, again, we're going on a tangent here, but Post Malone is an ugly son of a bitch. I don't know who is perpetrating the myth that he's handsome. But it's a lie, and you should all feel bad. I don't think anyone's really saying, like, he's universally handsome or anything. It's just, for some reason, there's a lot of, like, young girls that are attracted to him. I mean, I guess it's the same thing. If you're famous uh, and cool enough, right, mm. You'll that makes up a lot in the looks department. Uh, and Post Malone's coasting on that famous cool wave right now. Yeah, well, I have this, like, idea that um, as far as, like, the range of attractiveness that men can have it's pretty narrow like it's hard to be really ugly as a man so like you yeah i mean i think it goes back like, to like our you know how uh male-centric society is because mm-hmm. you know, as men get older they still are considered handsome you know the silver fox it's mm-hmm. not necessarily true for women like you could right it's almost seen as like a gem or like a rare find when you visit an attractive older woman uh-huh oh yeah they make a big deal out of yeah. it even though yeah but yeah so he's not like hideous he's just Kind of like looks like a bum. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. He look any he, there's there's twenty thousand homeless people out there that look exactly like Post Malone. Yeah, and they all go to Burning Man to bring that back. 
and Jordan Cole. So that's who that's going to be our goal is the homeless Post Malone look like. Called Post Malone. I don't know. He doesn't. His songs aren't really about anything. I'm not saying it's going to be about Post Malone songs. I'm just saying I'm recruiting homeless Post Malone lookalikes. That's my demographic. Incels. Is that well? I guess the kind of incels kind of look like homeless Post Malone. They look like bums. Homeless fat. Actually, I don't know what incels look like because you don't ever see them. They're always on the internet. Only they go outside. You have like this vague idea of what they might look like, but who knows? They look like fucking this criminal. I believe the his name is Punk Cut. The guy with the skullet. <laughs> oh man, it's got to be Punk Cut, right? Yeah, because there's a guy in the credits whose name is Punk Cut in, in the list of gang members. I'm pretty sure it's him because it's a punk haircut. it is a punk cut. 100%. That's, yeah. Even if it's not, it's, he's punk cut. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they are like shitty wrestler, 80s wrestling names. They're like the uh, they're the jobbers from, from wrestlers. You got, you got your Brooklyn Brawler. You got your punk cut. You got your stabby McStabberson. Repo Man. You get the Repo, the repo man. man. He's more like early 90s, but you know. Well, yeah, because he was Smash from the Demolition, right? I think. Wasn't he Doink? Or was Doink also they, Smash? He was also Doink. <laughs> He was hanging in there doing things. Uh, so they go to this. He follows. He sees this guy's stupid haircut. And he's like, there he is. There's he's like, oh, son of a bitch. I wanted to kill him from the moment I saw that damn haircut, even before he stole my ice cream on it. Yeah, so he follows him. Not pretty conspicuously, too, but I guess they're probably on drugs, so they don't notice. Yeah, I mean, plus it's, a, it's a crowded street, surprisingly. Like, it's a rough neighborhood, but there's people fucking everywhere for some reason. Uh, so he follows him to their secret lair. And uh, I noticed there was a, a graffiti tag on the wall for the germs, which is a cool punk band from the 80s. So I thought that was a nice touch because he's punk cut and he likes punk. <laughs> germs. And then, oh, my notes here say, yeah, finally, violence. <laughs> and there was sexual violence earlier, but that made me feel uncomfortable. Now it was just, here's Cursey, he comes on these guys. They're doing a drug deal, I guess. They're doing some kind of deal. Something. Trading Pokemon cards. Drugs. Pokemon drugs, cards. Something. They're doing a maybe, thing. Maybe a little bit of both. And he's like, hey, boys, how about a bite of peach? And he just starts shooting them. <laughs> well, that's not really what happens. He, like, he's gonna, he's like scoping out the scene first, right? And he makes some noise. And then they spot him. And so one guy tries to pull out his gun and he, and he shoots him. Bang! And the other <laughs> two, he's like, you can go. But not you, punk cut. I need that dumb haircut. <laughs> Who's your barber? Punk cut's like, I'm not telling you. And he's like, well, then you're going to meet your maker. Are you a Christian or are you a, are you a Jew? Does he say that? He asks if he's a religious, right? Because he sees his cross. I know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's funny if he said, are you a Christian or a <laughs> you're Jew? a Christian or a Jew. And he's got a cross on him. <laughs> Pops him. Yep, he gets him good one. Because punk cut, he ain't no snitch. Yeah, he's not going to give, give up his barber. Mm-mm. Also, he probably doesn't even, like, know his friends' names. Or... I don't think he... Does he even try to question him? I don't think he interrogates him. No, not really. He's just That's like... That's not my notes, but my recollection is just like, are, are you religious? He's like, yes, well, you're going to meet God then. Bang! Bang! I was thinking, um, as far as gun sound effects go, it'd be interesting to re-edit this movie with um, Donald Trump's gun sound effects. <laughs> Remember he's that speech where he's like, Bing, bing, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> like, use those instead of real gun sound effects? I think they should do that with, with a movie with a lot more guns, like a John Woo movie. <laughs> oh, or John like Wick. John Wick's like nothing but gunfights. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Yeah, just changes the gun sounds to Donald Trump being like, yeah, I got a gun. Pew, 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 bing, 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 Interesting. He just doesn't even know what guns sound like. Bronson's whole plan really... Makes almost as much sense as the gang's plan 
revenge for him. Like he's just gonna wander around the streets until he sees these guys and yeah. he's gonna shoot them. Mm-hmm. I like I don't know how all that works. Well, yeah, it's just so these guys don't have to go anywhere. They live in like a, they're all stay in like a two square mile radius yeah, on that one street, which we obviously know is not the case because they roll up on his house. Yeah, they have a van. They can get around. And like if you, they had, they were worried about being caught. Now they have killed two people: his 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 maid and his daughter. And they're just gonna hang around town. Yeah, I mean they probably don't have social security numbers or anything like that. They probably burnt off their fingerprints because we're we're talking about these are criminal masterminds. Well, obviously they're. Um, but I think the truth of it is, is uh, the movie doesn't make that much sense. I guess I'm sure I'm looking too hard into it. I should face except the movie. The world I guess if, presents to be a yeah, <laughs> if you want to um, put it in the world of the movie, why they're still just hanging around. It's because they're, they're, they're criminal animals, right? Yeah, they're just yeah. idiots. You know, they, they don't care. All they want to do is rape and get drugs and, uh, I don't know, you don't ever see them with, like, 40s or anything. So. Also, what kind I mean, of, the only drug I see them do is, 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 is pot, right? I don't. Yeah, they're, oh. They're you know, all hopped up on reefer madness. Yeah, they're reefer addicts. Because uh, in the very beginning, when they first show them, they're, oh, they're at a parade? They're some, doing some shit outside, they want to get ice cream, and you see these. But, yeah. We're handicapable. Yeah, you first see them, and they're like, ah, oh, shit, it's reefer addicts. <laughs> but at the end, the... Um, yeah, he's on PCP. He's on PCP. Yeah. And he's fucking those cops up. He hulked out. Well, he's... At the end of the movie, I'm like, man, if this dude was black, they would have shot him. <laughs> well, when they, so you don't know he's on PCP right away when he's just throwing the cops everywhere. Yeah. And I was watching, I was like, holy shit, man, Rodney King should have done this. Because remember, Rodney King was like unstoppable, but they were just beating the shit out of him. Yeah. So it reminded me of Rodney King, but Rodney King Wait, succeeded. wasn't Rodney King? I don't think he was on PCP, was he? I think that's what it was, right? I don't think so. I think you're thinking about. I think you're confusing your your beatings. Oh well, the cops beat so many black people in my lifetime. It's hard for me to remember which ones were, which. Luckily, uh, these days they just shoot them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, like they in the movie though. They're like, no, don't shoot them. There's cameras around. Yeah. Obviously, that doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't fucking matter now. <laughs> yeah, remember like when the uh, the cop shot uh, was the Flander Castillo. Yeah, where he's in yeah. the car. His wife's sitting there with the phone filming the cop. The cop knows he's on camera and still just shoots him. Like, yeah, yeah, they don't, don't give a fuck. I guess it's because um, they don't ever face any consequences, so why does it matter? But anyways, I don't feel are, like is that what's stopping everybody from not killing each other? Is not is having to face consequences? I feel like that. If that's that's if we just have the wrong people being cops is the problem, and we're training them the wrong way. Well, they don't really get trained very well at all is a big problem. And then also, yeah, everyone I know who wanted to be a cop or is a cop is a fucking clown shoes. Mm-hmm. They just, I got to get respect somehow. Can't do it through being a good, honest person. I know what to do. Cop time. Cop. Give me a badge and gun. Simpler times, though. This is 1982, <laughs> all right? Cops aren't out here shooting everybody. Yeah, they're just beating the crap out of them. Well, they, he was fucking them up, man. They weren't even beating the crap out of him. He was... Tossing him over cars, like, over his head. He was, like, turning the ultimate warrior. Yeah, he he was just out there shaking the ropes. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, yeah, he just killed Punk Cut. He shot him real good. He didn't get any information from him. Yeah, like, again, like, he's not after information. He's just, he's out for revenge and blood. He's going to yeah. find these men on the streets, Kyle. He doesn't need, he doesn't need talking. And really, there's very little dialogue from, from Bronson in this movie. Yeah, he, he's... 
laconic. Speak softly and carry a gun. So I guess what's his plan now? He's just going to wander around the streets. Hopefully he kills the right guy. It was like a moment of um, stark realization when he saw Punkett. He's like, yeah, I think that's the guy. So the... This is probably like left on the cutting room floor, but there's probably like eight other people he kills that aren't involved. <laughs> Before he gets to punk yeah. He's like, this guy kind of. Is like, that uh, a skullet? Yeah, he's just bald. Those boots kind of look familiar. I don't know. Yeah. I'll shoot him. I'll get him. <laughs> Pulls a weird face, I'd know. He just shoots a woman. He's like, eh, maybe she was there. Because like, he's. Well, I mean, he he's kill- 600 years old, so his memory can't be that great. Right, and plus his eyesight's probably gone. Mm-hmm. He killed some people that weren't involved. Yeah, uh, I have in my note here. One, someone gets shot in the ass. One of the in the in like the parking garage scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoots one of the guys in the ass, and I was like, oh, I shot him in the ass. Shot in the ass. Yeah. So that scene was great in the parking garage because it's totally just fear mongering. Like, 80s fear mongers. Yeah, There's so much of it in this they, movie. They, 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 people are going to park, right? And this is my, how I imagine it, because obviously they don't show this, but, you know, a man and his, his lady friend going, mm. to park, going to get the car in the parking garage. They're clearly jumped by four to five criminal animals. Right. Um, they immediately decide they're going to rape this woman. Mm-hmm. And so they, they're, two of them hold the dude and they're like, oh, we're going to get this. We're going to rape her. You're going you're gonna to listen and she's going to have... So much fun, you'll know it. Mm-hmm. And that's when Bronson shows up. To save the day from the criminal element. They're just sex crazed or what? So they're gonna they're gonna how are they gonna get away with this crime? You know what I mean? It's just no, it's just hey, eighties white America, don't go to the cities. Make sure you vote for Ronald Reagan because crime is really bad. I mean crime was definitely higher in the eighties. You look at crime statistics, but like the, the way they portray it in this movie is like if you go into town, yeah, don't hang around at night, and you know if someone steals your wallet, wave goodbye to it because they're gonna come home and find you and rape you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should you, probably move if someone steals your wallet because they have your address. Yeah, you need to get out of the cities, back on the frontier. Yeah, crime was high in the eighties because of all the lead poisoning that the boomers had. Real fucking Christian Puritan. American style fear, you know, where like fucking can't go into town. I can't leave my daughters and my wife home alone because the engines will come. You know, just the, that stupid American fear. And this movie just loves preying on it. I mean, that's really all death. My feeling is that that's probably all the Death Wish movies are is that well, yeah, I think pressing they, that button pretty hard. Mm-hmm, yeah, they're just. Uh, I mean, my question, I'm curious really now how they do Death Wish 3, 4, and 5, because who's left in his life to get raped and murdered? Oh, he doesn't end up marrying his British girlfriend? Yeah, Kathy Ireland, I don't know. So, so they were actually married in real life, right? Yeah, which. Okay, alright. Bronson, like. Must have been something real cool about him in real life. Actually, oh, I think you know what it is. It's probably the same thing as Liam Neeson. Yeah. Well, Liam Neeson's also like 6'5. So things are proportional. Bronson's like. Bronson's really got to be 6 feet, right? He seemed pretty big in, compared he to He does actually seem. Yeah. I wonder how tall Bronson is. And there is something about him, to be honest. Like uh, He's got an animal magnetism. Yeah. They legitimately, it's like, yeah, fucking. It's um, you know the the scene in Tombstone where they're uh, uh, they're talking about Wyatt Earp and his eyes, mm-hmm. and he's got Hunter's eyes. Yeah. Bronson has the, that's a it's I think that to oh. me that's part of it. It's yeah, Bronson has those same those same eyes. Like yeah, Kurt Russell eyes. Mm-hmm. Intensity, huh. passion. Yeah, he does seem like an intense dude. I just feel like probably in real life though, um, he's always just like. 
posted up drinking scotch, smoking a cigar, probably like drunk as hell all the time. No, oh, he's always in his underwear. He constantly has a glass of bourbon. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's that intense and cool in real life. But I don't know too much about Bronson aside from his many, many great films. But uh, yeah, so his girlfriend. We need to talk about this. Kathy Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. I forgot to check because it's bothering me. Is she English or does she just have that weird posh American accent that you don't really hear anymore? I think she's English, but I don't know. I didn't look at her either. Yeah. I assume she was. Oh, well, she's got a weird accent in this movie. Yeah. And I think it might have to do with just with the sound mixing because it sounds like a lot of her lines are ADRs. Yeah, it does. I was going to mention that too. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, her accent, and I was like, man, this, what's going on here? What is this? Americans used to sound like that sometimes. You remember, like when you see things from the sixties and yeah, 50, the upper crust accent. Yeah, they're real posh and really. Like, oh, I was from I'm from New England. And yeah. yeah, like what happened to that shit? I don't know. Same thing as everything else. Slowly fades away. Good. I don't like it. So he does plan on marrying her, and then at the end he just kind of dips out on her, right? Oh, no, no, she leaves him. She leaves she, him because she finds out that she finds out. She figures out that he's the one that's been killing all those people. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I can't be with this guy. Yeah, because I was going to say, oh, she'll just get raped in the third one. But <laughs> now they're not actually together, so she dodged a bullet. A dick bullet. <laughs> well, I mean, given the the context and the world the movie presents, I like to think that at some point she gets raped. I <laughs> Obviously. If she takes a couple steps out of the front door, rape is in the cards. If she looks at somebody funny. Um, I have a note here that says... Mace class, and I think it's because the cop. Yeah, <laughs> he says he's got to teach a mace class. Or something. No, no, his wife. He's like, oh, oh his even, wife even my wife has taken mace classes. Yeah, like, and I was like, what the hell? I remember the idea of mace classes, um, sort of, or self defense classes. Yeah, I remember self defense, but like mace specifically. I feel like it, they it's an idea like the the like the filmmakers had heard about, and mm. like they just kind of threw they it in. Yeah, yeah, like. I, maybe there is like a mace class, but it's probably like a one one hour one time class. Or how to use mace? Yeah, here's how you use mace. Well, yeah, because when Point you said it, I was thinking like, well, I hope they cut to what's going on in the mace class because <laughs> I wanted to see like women like rolling around, shooting it between <laughs> their legs, like doing like trick shots with mace. I feel like it was more like a stairmaster kind of situation. Like they're stepping up and like mace, and they step down and like mace, and one and two and mace. That'd be pretty cool too. And they have, like, one of those dummies, and they're trying to, like, aim for it. Mm. Yeah, but you're probably right. It was just, like, an hour seminar where, like, here's how mace works, which doesn't seem as exciting. If they had, like, a mace class where you learn, like, gun kata, but with mace, <laughs> I'd probably check that out. And then, so, yeah, even my wife's taking a mace class. And then the cop from New York argues with the cops from L.A. Because that's what cops always do, I guess. They're like, nah. They gotta get out. Let's see whose dick's bigger. And then we get to go see the tough streets again. And I swear, there's a black dude on the streets in this scene. It looked like ODB. I was like, oh shit, is that Big Baby Jesus? In 1982? He had to to be like 10. Yeah, it wasn't him. (laughs) But like, maybe ODB saw this movie and he's like, that's a good look. (laughs) We should find out. Dirt McGirt. I, I've made this joke a couple times already, but I don't know how Lawrence Fishburne goes from like this to like Cowboy Curtis because it's not that far away. I don't know, he was also in um, Apocalypse Now as like a baby. And yeah, by a baby, true. he's like 15. Yeah, he's 15 or 16. Right? He lied about his age. He's young as shit. But you know, I bet Francis Ford Coppola wouldn't even care. He probably found out at some point. Yeah, because that scene in Apocalypse Now where 
Martin Sheen's drunk and beating on the mirror and bleeding everywhere. Like that was real. They just got him drunk and like yelled shitty stuff at him and something went crazy. <laughs> and we had a heart attack. <laughs> Not then, but later on in filming. Yeah, I mean. Uh, and then after we see ODB, this is where Burp guy shows up. This guy that, like hits oh, yeah, his forty, burps right into the camera, and says, oh yeah, Burp guy's here. I admit, I have a note in mind that says, lots of strength, close-up decisions, and that is one of them, I believe. Yeah, I mean, the camera work is pretty suspect in this, but there's something, like, charmingly bad 80s about it. There's some shots that I kind of like. Like, the the way it's filmed, it's it makes it a... Because it's such a small film, really. It's really personal anyways, mm-hmm. but it just makes it seem more... Not so bombastic. And I feel like if I watch the, the remake. 2017 remake, it's going to be, like, over-the-top... Oh, no, I... Interaction. But it's I, Eli Roth, so maybe he did it. Maybe. But, so Eli Roth is, uh... He wants to be like Quentin Tarantino. You know, Quentin Tarantino takes movies like Death Wish, Grindhouse, Schlock, Kung Fu, movies like that, but he elevates them to art. Like, that's what I'd say Quentin Tarantino's purpose is in film. That's what he does. Uh, Eli Roth seemingly wants to do the same thing. He's like, I want to take grindhouse he schlocky 80s action movies or horror movies and try to elevate them but um he's not that talented like he uh doesn't have great eye he's not a great writer i mean he's made more films than i have so i'm not trying to talk mad shit about him or anything but he doesn't seem to have good taste yeah i mean to be fair there's lots of people that have made more films than you have mm-hmm. that probably aren't that, that great writers i mean there's a dude that has a whole screenwriting book about writing and he's made same cat shit. Yeah, he, no, I'm not naming any names, but I'll just say that Blank Check was not a good movie. What, Stop and <laughs> My Mom or Shoot? That was a good one. Oh, you mean the movie that Special Sloan got tricked into making? He got tricked into making that? Arnold Schwarzenegger said that he really wanted to do that movie so that Sylvester Stallone did it. That's the story I heard. Yeah. Or read. It sounds like slick irony. Tricky guy. <laughs> where do we, we get off on that, don't you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I saw what he beat in Birth Guy. Um, oh, yeah, we're close to this. Oh, the New, New York cop is. In town, he stops by the girlfriend's apartment, and my note says, this dude chooses the scenery, because this New York cop guy, this actor is like, fucking, I'm here, we're making this movie, these are my scenes, like, fucking get out the way, I'm acting, I'm acting over here. <laughs> Actor coming through. Yeah, it was pretty good, like, I like him. No, he's the, uh, legitimately, he's my favorite character now. Mm-hmm. He's like, fucking, we act He chooses that scenery as much as he chooses that cigar. Oh, yeah, and uh, he's got that gnarly cough, so I think they're like, I mean, fucking lung cancer, man, he's going down. He doesn't, he doesn't give a fuck. So that guy's pretty cool. Then his girlfriend con- confronts Kersey. Bronson's like, hey, saw the, this cop came and saw me, and blah, 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 here's the evidence. That he gives her like, such a gaslighty answer, too. Well, I, that's what my note says. I was like, he's a great liar. He's a psychopath. <laughs> like, Kersey, um... He's using the psychopathy for good to a certain extent, I guess. But I think he, it would have been an interesting concept to feel like, is he as bad as the criminals? You know, like kind of Batman-Joker dynamic? Because he seems like he's a crazy person, too. Because he's straight up like, yeah, right, bitch, you don't know nothing. I mean, it's not the only time he does it, too. He does it throughout the movie. At the end, he does it to get to the, the guy inside the mental facility. Mm-hmm. He does it pretty hard there, too. Yeah. But he's a man on a mission, so can't hold against him, right? You know, he's for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
it was a very um right-wingy 1980s stupid libs kind of ending where he's like oh he's mentally criminally insane and so he's not gonna go to a real prison oh yeah he's gonna talk to a therapist and mm. you know those facilities first they don't fucking exist anymore no good luck if you actually are criminally criminally insane no you go to a regular prison <laughs> yeah they don't have any they just let a bunch of people out on the streets because they won't well, we fucking can't do it we don't have any funding for this anymore mental health the united states i don't think so just go to prison get fucking tore up by the other inmates i'm sure i'm not in our prison system like well, I mean, it, it legitimately depends on what state it is, and if you're, it's a federal prison or a or, state prison, or and private what the prison. state rules are. Yeah, I guess some of yeah. the states operate have different private prison rules than other states. So, you, you know, whether Luck you're draw. arrested in California or New Mexico, you can face a very different type of uh, prison environment. Things were simpler in the '80s. Bronson would just come shoot your ass. <laughs> That's how I want to go. I don't want to, don't send me down, send up the river to prison, just have Bronson come in and shoot me. <laughs> is, that, is that the options here? You can either have life imprisonment, uh, you can be death by Bronson. I'm fine with it. He's back out here on the streets, right? On that one street. It's always the same yeah, street. Yeah, it's the same street. He finds these guys within, like, two square blocks. Yeah, but he sees, uh, I think this is Larry Fishburne at this point. I believe it's Larry Fishburne that he sees I next. I lose track of it, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, and he's on crutches. That he sure he definitely stole from someone because he doesn't need those crutches. <laughs> and Bronson's mad about it. <laughs> that guy doesn't need crutches. Uh, but then he hops on the bus. Yeah, oh, the bus scene. The bus scene is great because they're like, they're, they're, they're harassing the shit out of that lady. They're harassing the shit out of people. And I goddamn know that if they did that, someone was going to stand up and try to fight them because I've seen it happen. I've on been the on bus, a bus. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, only the bystander effect, but for some reason that shit doesn't apply on the bus. No. It's wild. This is Wild West on the bus. Uh, I that They're harassing the shit out of that lady, though, and she's just like, come on, guys, leave me alone. And it's like, man, is that what it was like in the 80s? Or is that what it's like today? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah, it's like, it's yeah. like that. You've seen, I've seen, you know, videos of people on like, the subways getting yeah, harassed and that's stuff. that's true. But I don't know. I've been on buses before, and, and I've seen people harassed, and it just never seems to go the way it did in that movie. Yeah, but... Those guys look pretty tough. I don't know if I want to mess Did with those. Did they look really tough? No, they look like actors. <laughs> they look like someone's idea of what like a gang member in the 80s was going to look mm. like. But it's like the like my idea of what a, a gang member in the 80s would look like. Not like an actual gang member in the 80s. They oh. had way too much flair. Well, they looked like the look, 80s. You know, it was, they looked like extras from a Cindy Lauper music video. Yeah, like, like a Billy Idol like, was going to stroll through yeah, in a second. Yeah, it's like when you watch um, anything from the 80s, really. Billy Idol's a good example. Where he like he started off in the punk scene, but then he's like glam, flashy punk. Yeah, and but then these guys look like a Terminator punk. <laughs> but these guys look like uh, so the costume designer is just like, all right, I see kids that are punk, but I don't really know what punk is. I got these pictures of inner city gang members, but I don't really understand. So I don't know. They got like spikes. And leather pants and bandanas and big trench coats and stuff. I don't know. Criminals. <laughs> Out of touch. No context. They just don't understand what's going on. Kersey Bronson, he hops into the taxi cab with, uh, so in my notes here it says, uh, Bill Hader. <laughs> the taxi driver, first, the, the first shot he's in where it's just kind of like uh, three-fourths. It looked like Bill Hader. And then the next thing I see him, I'm like, ah, that's not Bill Hader. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have been him anyways, but he also didn't even really look like him. 
But I was like, oh, shit, Bill Hader. Do a funny voice. Do your impression of Bronson. <laughs> my next note says, uh, check out my belt buckle, lady. Oh, so they get off the bus and they pull up to uh, the dance party, right? Remember all the gangsters are dancing? Like, oh, yeah, the yeah. <laughs> um, There's also a cowboy there that, like, is just, like, really trying to show off his belt buckle. He's just kind of like a background guy. But he's like he's got his, he's got one he leg up. Around? Yeah, I remember. I know he's got guy. one leg up, and there's like a lady sitting down next to him. He's got his leg up on a bench, or whatever. And it's just kind of like, see his bum bum. You can see yourself. Like, yeah, fucking, they're just dancing. These are as hardened criminals are wont to do. They're yeah. all obviously hopped up on reefer again. Yeah, these are the tough criminals that Bronson's got to stop. These guys are out of control. No good. They are and, awful dancers. Yeah, and they listen to weird music, but it's, it's like the costumes. It's uh, I don't understand this '80s music, but I've heard some of it, so I'm gonna make the music version of it. <laughs> There's like a glimpse of a breaking you get right here. It's a quick little flash. <laughs> hey, you know what would be a good idea for a movie? <laughs> Someone uh, from Canon was watching uh, Death Wish Two, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to just make a movie of this part. Like, hell yeah, this is the best part of the movie. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And then they, um, is it like a, a drug deal again? Or like a weapons deal that happens? Where they get to the shootout with the... Oh. <clears throat> yeah, my notes for it say, this is the weirdest gun slash drug deal. <laughs> so they're like, they meet um another cowboy. Like this old man cowboy. He pulls up in like Texas... Cliche Cadillac. Type. It's where I think they got the idea for uh, the Breaking Bad gun dealer. So this is this guy. Oh. But yeah, so he pulls up. It's a fat old cowboy. He's got like some big dude with him. I was like, that guy's pretty cut for the 80s. And then uh, opens the trunk and like, he's like, here's guns, boys. And they're all like, oh, oh fuck, this, is a, this is a nice gun. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and it's like, all right. So once again, uh, how do they know this old cowboy guy? How did they set up this deal? Um, he doesn't seem to ask him for money. It's a fucking, yeah, here's guns. It's just, again, general criminality. Something criminal is happening. It's bad. You can tell um, by the way they're dressed and the way they're acting. Yeah, they're just, these are criminals. One of them is a Texas oil man, but <laughs> he sells guns to. And most Texas oil men are criminals. Yeah, but different kind of criminal. Mm-hmm. So they have this weird deal. Um, the New York cops there watching from the bushes, and Bronson's up in a tree, right? Yeah, he's up. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's, cops in the bushes. Bronson's in a tree. There's also like another sniper. Yeah, criminal. there's a sniper there sniper watching criminal. the drug deal. <laughs> Texas oil man's involved in like some organized crime. He's got a sniper. I, I, and then it's probably uh, just like his nephew. <laughs> I got all these guns. Oh. And the detective's like, oh, Bronson, look out. Yeah. <laughs> Shit pops off. Yeah. It's just like, bang, bang, bang. Pew, 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 pew. Shooting lasers. Oh, and the car explodes. Yeah. Which is great because I like when cars explode in movies. Because why did it explode? It was full of guns. And gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the car explodes. Uh, that's pretty good. I, a lot of the budget was probably spent on that. Yeah, I mean, $2 million, I think at least 200000 went to that one scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, um, this actual shootout scene, the way it's shot and stuff, actually does look pretty good. They did a good job with this. I don't remember being that partic- impressed with it or thinking it's awful. So, compared to the rest of the movie, it probably was fine. 
Oh, I don't mean it was exciting. It wasn't like, oh shit, suddenly Nicholas winning ref and directed this. This is as good as drive. Or I just mean like, oh, this is pretty confidently shot. Like they, planned, <laughs> they planned out this scene. Oh, this is pretty confident. Yeah. They, oh, they took their time on this scene. But they just have a gunfight. New York cop gets shot, right? Yeah, he gets shot. He dies in this. At yeah. Scene. So, He's like, why'd you tell him? This woman. Better, better, better them than you, Kirby. Oh yeah, right. And then he's like, "Oh, cool. Now I feel justified." Yeah. Now everything is okay because the law told me. It was mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I guess now we find out who the true villain is. This one guy is the criminal mastermind leader, the one that survived, even though no characterization. He doesn't seem particularly more evil than anybody else. He got away. He had a vest, though, right? He had, like, a cut-off denim shirt, I think is what his look was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. his curly hair, his curly mm-hmm. long hair. He, he kind of looks like Buffalo Bill from the Silence of the <laughs> <Lions. laughs> He does. He, him, more than the other ones, reminded me of, like, a, like a like an 80s wrestler. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I expected him to be, like, intercontinental champion of the world. He obviously wasn't a top-tier guy. Back to, like, the jobber tier we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But he had a... He had a, look he had a WWF five. If he came out and in, in fought Ultimore, I would have uh, I would have been perfectly okay. With What's it. great about that WWF five you're talking about is I love that they carried it all the way into like 1996. The wrestlers were still looking like that. I remember the NWA was supposed to. So be did like, Canon Films. They made Death Wish in 1992. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the NWA showed up and like Hall and Nash were supposed to be cool. Yeah. But they're wearing like 80s jeans with their t shirts tucked into them. <laughs> yeah, well, long. I think the first time Hall shows up, he's like wearing a Canadian tuxedo. He's like wearing a. Yeah, he's got a denim he's got vest. A denim vest, denim pants. Yes. Yeah, man, wrestling was wild. Was. I'm talking about wrestling a lot. We should do a podcast about wrestling. <laughs> um, yeah, so the main bad guy gets away, and it's like, fine, we gotta get that motherfucker. You can see it in Kirstie's eyes. He's like, mm, I'm gonna get that dude. I don't know about that dude, but I'm gonna get that dude. The entire time that dude is fighting with the cops after the, uh, right? So he chases the dude through like a apartment building, right? The cops are after him too. Oh yeah, so there's um. It's like a the cops a race to get this guy between Kirsty and the, the cops. cops. Yeah, because uh, the newer cop gets killed. Also, other cops showed up and there's they're part of the shootout. Yeah, and so like we gotta get this fool. That motherfucker sucks. And yeah. then Kirsty's like, Nah, I gotta get him. Like, this New York cop was holding out on me. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew he was holding out. I have that in my notes. <laughs> the line delivery was so bad. I knew he was holding out on me. And then uh, I also want to point out when uh, Bronson jumped out of the tree, it was like, man, you know, it was like Grand Theft Auto when you die and it's like wasted. <laughs> <laughs> like that jump fucked him up. It looked like he was just like, ooh. Yeah, so now the race is on. Who's it going to be? The cops or Kirsty? It seems like it's going to be the cops because they're there. They've got the hotel surrounded. He's in there with bare naked ladies. Not the Canadian band, but literally bare naked ladies. I guess smoking PCP. Yeah, obviously, because he's all hopped up in afterwards. So he's mm-hmm. got to get it from somewhere. It's probably from the bare naked ladies. Yeah. Again, not the band. Um, so the cops show up. Uh, there's titties well, flopping everywhere <laughs> as they run away. And well, then... like the. He... Kirstie jumps on the roof, right? And the cops are like, who's on the roof? Is it one of our guys? Oh, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> they don't even really address it. They're just like, they, they oh. Oh, whatever. Don't worry about it. Not <laughs> a big deal. Probably Batman. Better than Batman. It's Bronx. Yeah, because Batman doesn't use no guns. That's right. Like, no, no wuss. Batman's a pussy. <laughs> Kirstie's a man. That's right. He's a real, he's a man-man. The man's man. Jumping out of that tree. 
You get in the wind knocked out. <laughs> and so he, he kind of chases them through the apartment building, right? He chases them down the steps, and Chris mm-hmm. is like right behind him the entire time. He can never quite get a good, clear shot at him, and then the guy bursts out. Yeah, and the cops are like, whoa! Yeah. And, and then it's a fight with the cops. Yeah, it's uh, one of the coolest action scenes you've ever seen. There's a lot of really tight close-ups of this crazy guy's face, and he's throwing cops. So I just watched Avengers 4 uh, again last night with the kids, mm. and uh, Doctor Strange versus Thanos, pretty good. No, Curly pale. Joe versus the cops. <laughs> Pales in comparison. comparison. Yeah, he's just throwing the cops everywhere, man. I didn't see Thanos throwing people around like this. No, he didn't, yeah. Mm-mm. And he, Thanos wasn't on PCP. <laughs> Could you imagine if he was, though? Oh, man. That's the stones he was looking for. <laughs> Except PCP's liquid. It's the oddest scene. Like, as soon as it starts, I'm like, what the fuck? How is this guy just throwing cops everywhere? And in my notes here, I'm like, is this dude on PCP? Yeah, it's when I started, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a PCP thing. Because I, I just thought it was, Yeah, I just was like, they didn't know about PCP in 82. Not in, like, movies and stuff, you know? It was out on the streets getting that sherm. But I didn't think... I, I was really surprised that they're like, you were smoking PCP. Dust a, yeah, angel dust. I was like, oh shit, they knew about that? Yeah, but eventually they get him, right? They tase the shit out of him, tackle him. Yeah, a hundred guys jump on him. Uh-huh. Uh, it was really like, it was almost like an anime fight. Yeah, it kind of was. Or like the end of the Matrix with, mm-hmm. all the, uh, with all the Mr. Smiths. There's so many like interesting edits you could do in this movie. Like, it'd be cool if someone had just, you know... Fifty thousand dollars to throw away if they just animated that scene like Dragon Ball Z style. He's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. They're just fighting ah. all the cops, and then there'll have to be like an interlude where he smokes more PCP. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he goes Super Saiyan. Mm-hmm. Is the PCP smoking the PCP? Yeah. But the throughout the entire time or the entire fight, uh, Bronson Kersey is trying to aim up a shot line up a shot to get the mm-hmm. guy like he's, his plan is to literally just shoot the dude in front of the cops and damn damn the consequences yeah my notes here say um no plan no problem because he yeah he just not only that the cops don't notice so like, mm, there's some random guy with a gun trying yeah, what to are they shoot. doing they yeah. set up a perimeter they're supposed to have their own snipers around yeah and then they just get into like a wrestling match with this guy and they lose a lot they lost a lot of good men and then he does actually form a plan after that. So he's had no plan throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie, but now he's got a plan. Yeah, it's like, all right, this is the final it's act. Kind of intricate. He's going to use his his future lady wife's mm-hmm. connection to get into the mental hospital. He's going to steal some badges. He's going to impersonate a doctor. He's going to bluff his way uh, into uh, the patient's room, and he's going to shoot him. Bop! Mm-hmm. Bop! Yeah, it is a... Uh... The most planning he's done so far. It's the most planning anybody has done in the entire movie. Like, they're, they're, throughout the entire movie, there's a weird subplot about them building a new radio station building. There is not really any planning involved in that. There's more planning involved in his infiltration of the the mental facility than there is on them building a, a, a fucking building. Also, the new radio building, uh, that subplot doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I don't understand why it's in there yeah, at all. Yeah, I think it was just to provide context for, like, he's got a good job. He's a regular guy, and he just suffers these problems again. Like just like Liam you Eason. could. Yeah, it could be you. Although Liam Neeson wasn't a regular guy, technically, right? He was, um... He had a special set of skills, pal. Don't forget yeah. that. What? 
so he was like a security guard in the first one. He's a security guard for like a pop star, but yeah, he's but also he was like a former special forces or intelligence or something. He was, he was uh, fucking high up in the IRA, is what he was. Oh, is that what it was? No, but he's Liam Neeson, so uh, that's what. Fair the, enough. That's what the background should have been, and it should have been called Chucky Arla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have made a lot of money. <laughs> they made a lot of money in England. I uh, I've never seen any of the Taken sequels. I think I've seen the second one, but I don't. I only really remember the first one, so I'm guessing the second one probably wasn't very good. No. If I saw it, he made another movie called A Walk Among the Tombstones, which was basically the same Taken. sort of thing where he's just tough Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was shot better because there's scenes I remember more vividly. Other than that, Liam Neeson's career sucks. He hasn't really done anything besides those weird action movies in a while. Bear one, right? That's basically the same Oh, The Wolves? The Gray? It? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Gray. I'm thinking of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And, uh, oh, Revenant? Yeah. Liam Neeson could have been good in that movie. He could play uh, the bear. <laughs> so, yeah, he's got a plan this time. Um, he's also going to marry his girl. They have the dinner or brunch. Yeah, if he was um, just a little bit quicker, he would have got it. He's just like about 10 minutes late uh, to getting home. and He, he would have... He Gotten revenge and gotten the girl. Yep. And he duped her so easily throughout the whole movie. Like, remember when she shows up randomly after he, like, first rents his room and gets his gun? He just left his gun out yeah. in his pajamas and he's, he puts on his robe and he's like, I gotta take a shower. Get out of here, bitch. <laughs> see, I'm he was see, really like, terrible, too. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna room. change the locks and not mention it. Too. Yeah. My key doesn't work. Oh, that's odd. <laughs> yeah, no, she, like, legit comes over and, like, oh, I thought we could, like, go to brunch or blah, blah, whatever. And he's like, Nah, I got shit to do. I'm gonna be wild here in the shower. Get the fuck out. And she's like, "Oh, okay, Bronson. You're so great, honey, baby. I love you, Bronson. Shut <laughs> oh, up, baby. I know it." Yeah. They have their brunch. I think this is at the point in this movie. Maybe it's before like the hotel confrontation. But I just want to talk about how bad the sound mixing is because they filmed it outside. And you can like hear the Santa Ana winds, I'm guessing. Yeah. So, like, everything's ADRs, and then there's all the environmental sound is just, like, fake as shit. I'm guessing, like, when they filmed it, it was probably just, like, so much wind. They're like, ah, screw it. We'll just have to keep the shot. Yeah. So now he's going to do his master plan. He's been planning it for at least a couple days. Yeah, it's, the, it's not quite clear in the movie how much time actually passes from, like, Obviously, some time has to pass to go to trials and get and sentencing, and then at some point to have some sort of treatment, and long enough for then Bronson to do his weird plan of stealing the doctor's credentials to sneak in. So he, at least a few weeks, right? A month or so. Yeah. Um, Murder's trial, because he's on trial for... I guess killing cops, yeah. He's doing it now. He's got his badge... He stole a uniform, right? No, he just has a white coat. No, I think he goes in and he goes in to the, oh, the uh, locker room, the locker room, and mm. steals a doctor uniform, yeah, lab coat and shit. And then, like the orderly at the gate, he's like, oh, "Yeah, I know you." Mm-hmm. It's like plan wasn't even that great because he just made it to this gate that he had no idea existed, and he's like, "Man, I'll get him. I'll just lie my way through this one." And so <laughs> the guy's happens. like, "All right, see ya." Yeah, what if the guy's just like, "Man, get the fuck out of here." <laughs> I guess he's gonna kill that guy too. And how we get through the gates? Because of the code, right? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, he did see the code, didn't he? He saw the code when he was being let in. Oh. And then the guy tells him the code anyways. Yeah, so. that part didn't make sense either. It's like a Chekhov's gun that doesn't go I think anywhere. they probably had different endings, and then they left 
Yeah, there's probably one where he fights the orderly at the yeah. end, too. Where he just shoots him. I'm like, no, I probably can't do that because he's the spirit of vengeance. Um, I like when he goes in the scene, like, for some reason, this guy has a shank, even though he's, like, a mental patient. Mm-hmm. And they probably should be searching him every time he's moved from facility to facility. But somehow he's kept a, a knife in his boot. Well, in prison, it's a shank or be shanked. So he's got a shank. So he doesn't be shank. <laughs> so he's, he's got a shank. Plus, this guy's big into stabbing. Mm-hmm. I, I know his name isn't Stabby. Stabby. No. I think he's got... He's got a real name? I don't know if I wrote it down. I think he does have a real name, because they say it in his trial. The other guys are Punk Cut, Stomper, Stabber, and something else. And then his name's like... Uh, Rippy Joe. Curly Jefferson. <laughs> Kobe Jackson. Kobe Bryant. Yeah, but then, um, so... He's like, oh, I'm your doctor. For some reason, he's, like, trying to avoid the guy seeing his face. I don't know. The guy's only seen him once before, like, at this point, months ago. Yeah, right? But they get in the room. He's going to interview him about being crazy or asking crazy people questions, (laughs) that sort of thing. And then uh, the guy recognizes him. But how? His PCP-addled mind, he recognizes Bronson, and he pulls the knife. Bronson has a gun, though. Yeah, you think it would so, be real quick. But... What? He misses a bunch. Like, he wings him, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, the whole fight sequence doesn't make sense because Bronson has proven himself to be a pretty quick, good shot throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. And he's very close this time. And then they get into, like, a, a actual physical confrontation, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they're just, like, wrestling, pushing this, each other around. This guy is, like, 6'4", probably, like, 240. And Bronson is, like, a 70-year-old man. Yeah, so it should have been over relatively quick. Turns out, one of the cutscenes, Bronson smoked PCP before he went <laughs> and he's unstoppable. He's going to use uh, his own tricks against him. That's right. you got to fight dirty to win. Fight that, that fire with fire. Mm-hmm. It's just like when Batman tried uh, Venom that one time. Oh, Venom's like, what, Bane drinks, right? Venom's, yeah, it's it's Bane juice. My juice. Yeah, so they fight, and it's really kind of a bummer to watch. I didn't like the fight scene at all because they're just yeah, they're really slowly pushing each other into objects. It's not fun. As far as the ending, the last fight could have been the shootout in the park, and that might have been a better, uh, better ending than this. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, except for. I that scene where he's just throwing cops everywhere like has to be in the movie. Well, they could do, he could have just, just shot him. Moving the things around. Oh, that's true. Right, like so that instead of the the shootout happening where it is, you have the cop fight and then him doing the infiltration in the mental facility first, and that's where he finds out about this drug deal because this guy tells him. Oh, that work. Right. Yeah, and then you still get cops getting thrown around. Yeah. You still get cops getting thrown around. You, you still get the stupid mental patient stuff, but then you go, it ends on the shootout. Yeah, but instead it ends, he electrocutes him. They punch this giant machine that is, I guess it's like ECT. Assume that's what it's for. I don't know why there'd be this giant machine to generate electrical current, but it's yeah. there. Curly Jefferson punches it, and then Bronson forces his hand into it, and he gets electrocuted to death. He turns into a real smoke show. <laughs> the end. The end. Well, no, he's got him. Not quite, because the momentum of that scene, we got to ruin it, because here's the orderly, and they have really stilted dialogue, where he's like, oh, I know who you are. I saw what happened to you. Yeah, and then he's like, I'll give you... Here's the code. 
90 seconds? Or three yeah, minutes? You got three or? minutes. He doesn't give him three minutes. He pulls that cord way before mm-hmm. the three minutes are up. Yeah, and then Bronson's just hightailing it out of there. And I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be funny if he had flip-flops on him? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, flip, 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 flip. <laughs> And then he goes home, he finds out his lady wife. Yeah, his so lady wife has left him. Well, she, she reads like... She finds... Um, oh, she finds the uh, the badge-making shit he was doing and some other stuff. And she's like, um, these documents implicate him in being a vigilante. And she takes off the ring, leaves it there, and it's gone for good. Yeah, and then the last scene is, is him back at the radio station talking to the guy he's building the building for, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I've been trying to call you, Bronson. Uh, sometimes late at night, I can never get a hold of you. You've been out. He's like, oh, what, what did I have? I'm not out. I just, you probably just missed me. He's like, you want to come over for dinner? He's like, oh, sure. What would I be doing at night? <laughs> the end. And then he winks at the camera. <laughs> and I mean, that's it. That's Death Wish 2. Uh, so it is considered a uh, classic in the world of schlock, I guess. Death Wish 2? <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't, like, reach high camp. Which is kind of unfortunate, and it's, it's somewhere in the, the middle ground where not terribly made, but it's not good, and then it's they don't lean into it at all. They're still taking it like really seriously. Yeah. So um, I don't know. What did you think? Did you like it or not? I don't know. I mean, it's fine for what it is. I guess it's just not a movie I would I would watch again. Uh, it's not bad enough to be good, and. Um, it's not. It's certainly not good by any stretch of the imagination. It, I don't know. It feels like you can see a trajectory for Death Wish where each sequel is going to get progressively worse. Or uh, probably more rape is what I'm thinking. Like, so there's there's how serious, much more rape could there be? <laughs> there's a real escalation of rape from the first one to the second one, and then his daughter gets raped again. It doesn't actually end up being that important of a plot piece. Because it seems like he's going to get vengeance on him anyways, just because the housekeeper, for them even kidnapping his daughter. And, but she dies anyways, and it's included in the synopsis on Amazon Prime, which was just crazy to me. It was like, she gets raped again? <laughs> but at least, like, you know what you're getting into if you're just like, oh, cool, like, yeah, I've heard Prime. about this. Yeah. And like, well, you're going to see a lot of rape. It's going to be weird. It's a, it's definitely a product of uh, of 1982. Uh, from the, the the extras to the the plot to the you know the just the understanding of crime to the soundtrack. <laughs> I was really disappointed with the soundtrack to be honest. I just uh... so was Jimmy Page. He did did he do it for free? They actually give him some money for that. Um let's see you you got to pull up on IMDb. So um Golden and Globus wanted Isaac Hayes to compose the music. To one Isaac Hayes, which would have been... I don't know if Isaac Hayes would have done it, but... Uh, it would have been pretty interesting. That would have been amazing. But then uh, director Michael Winter refused and brought in Led Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page, who at the time was his next-door neighbor. <laughs> so this is uh, 82, 1982. What was Jimmy Page up to in 1982? Led Zeppelin was still kind of a big deal at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't. They weren't necessarily, like, you know... They weren't in their prime. Right, but they're still... Still doing things. Probably 82. He... The movie does feel kind of like a, a black exploitation movie that they cast. Yeah, so I think... I mean, actually, now that you think about it, if you here's how you remake Death Wish. Black family. There's got to already be 
There probably is. Yeah, there's definitely. At this point, they've made 10,000 different Death Wishes. Well, I have a feeling there's probably a movie that predates the original Death Wish that was a black exploitation movie. You're probably yeah, right. That is my guess. But um, I don't know. It doesn't say anything about Jimmy Page getting paid. I'm sure he probably did. Is this dude's next door neighbor? Like, isn't this one. Jimmy Page would have been living in, like, Alistair Crowley's old mansion, like, in the 80s. I think that's what it was. This Maybe guy, guy lives next door to him? <laughs> it's a summer house. Next door is relative, really. Oh, in an interview, Silvana Gallardo, who played the housekeeper, said the rape scene was grueling and took about six days to film. Oh, my God. So Holy shit, I feel bad for her. Yikes. Yeah, so we were just watching an actress get tortured. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man. That's terrible. Director Michael Winter once said of the film, "From My Caveman achievement. Yeah, from Caveman days to today, there have always been violent times. You cannot say the Middle Ages weren't violent before ter- television or films. So where do you put the blame then? Oil paintings and books." What's he talking about? I guess... Is that the defense of the film being violent? And he's like, yeah, for, oh, it's not going to cause more violence? No, violence has always existed. And he's got a point, I guess. Uh, oil paintings in such a weird way to understand it, though. Yeah. Especially because, I don't know, a lot of oil paintings, whatever he may be referring to, is Renaissance art, so it's most of it's biblical. Or is he referring to the post-Renaissance, the German Renaissance, where they were painting historical events so it's a record of violence that actually happened uh, it's not the same thing as death wish 2 was my big point. <laughs> don't compare death wish 2 to oil paintings you bastard oh david engelbach admitted that he was somewhat appalled by the final film and how it differed from his original script he felt that the rape scenes were added so that michael winner could get his rocks off so he's jimmy page's neighbor and I bet they both have 16-year-old wife prisoners. <laughs> Who is this man? I've never even heard of David Winner. Or Michael Winner, rather. Let's see what else this fool's done. Ooh. Oh, has he done more rape movies? I don't know. He just, um, he's from London, England. And he definitely looks like... Uh, is he involved in the secret British pedophile ring? No, just there? looking at him, he seems like someone who kicked our family off of the land. You know, He's <laughs> like the tax man in Ireland. <laughs> You know, like when you see um, James Cromwell, that giant like English actor. Yes. Uh, every time I see him, I'm like. Mm, mm. Well, I mean, he has the last name Car- Cromwell. Yeah, so <laughs> that doesn't help him. Well, he directed the first Death Wish, and that's about it. Yeah. So um, my final thoughts on it are, uh, I was a little bit disappointed. Um, it wasn't like extreme in the fun ways I was hoping for. Sort of oscillated between being boring and dumb and then mildly offensive and which is odd for me to say because i usually don't care about um violence or the gratuitous nature of films uh, not that i'm really into those things appearing in film but usually i'm like i'm not offended or bothered by anything that happens in film because i just really love film from bad films to great films all about it but like i said the rape scene with this housekeeper in this movie made me uncomfortable because it really looked like we were just watching an actress being tortured. And it, and it took, out. It took six days to film. Yeah, that that rape scene lasts, what, maybe five minutes in total? Yeah. I, that's crazy to me that it took six days to film. Like, what was going on? Like, oh, we need another take. Yeah, <laughs> so Michael Winter might be a fucking weirdo. Didn't like it that much. For some reason, I was expecting a lot more out of it. It was just so flat. Bland. Yeah, I mean, like, my opinion isn't for that much. I wanted 
going into this, I wanted some crazy shit, like crazy fun, mm-hmm. not just uncomfortable and, uh, and poorly made, and boring, yeah. and poorly shot, and kind of woodenly acted. If you're looking for a good time, Death Wish 2 is not for you. Nope. It was good to start off with, I think, to get a feel for a lot of the themes that are going to be present in canon films, because this is basically what their uh, filmography is about. Their bread and butter is is rape and violence. Yeah, they're just really, uh, they're exploitation movies. They're exploiting the fears of the 80s and what people were into at the time, so there's going to be... Ninjas and kung fu and rape and guns. See, and I wanted ninjas Chuck and kung Norris. fu, but not the the six day rape yeah. of, of the housekeeper. Well, we're definitely gonna I'm watch writing that. I'm writing that. She is still alive. I'm writing that. Actually, still a letter. And I'm sorry, I, sorry. I watched the movie that they took six days to film you being yeah. raped. Uh, yeah, but I mean, we're gonna watch the Ninja trilogy. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, I think next we're gonna watch Cobra. Cobra. Which is Sylvester Stallone. Uh, yeah. So we'll watch Cobra yeah. next. It'll be more fun, if I recall correctly. I remember watching it as a kid. I mean, we'll get eventually get into like over the top too. You know, the over the top will be good. Classic. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the Ninja trilogy is really funny. Not on purpose. Uh, the breaking movies were gonna be good. Uh, I don't know. Kane's got some some gems. It'll be worth watching. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening. If you wanna watch movies along with us, like I said, we're gonna do Cobra next. We'll watch that and review it. Everyone should watch Cobra because it's all right. <laughs> we think. Yeah. All right. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Don't watch Death with Two.